You're listening to The Chartographers. Photographers, it is the happy hour mini sode about the Quentin Tarantino soundtracks and experiments that somehow inexplicably worked. Uh, and I'm very, very excited about it. Of course, it is me, Evan Soddy. Of course, in the room is also Tara O'Reilly. It is Dave Coop. It is John Gleason and Teske. Find us on our Instagrams. They're all our names. Uh, most importantly, though, we are talking about uh, Quentin Tarantino soundtracks. It's a happy hour mini sode, which means it's the time to say the thing we do at the start of every happy hour mini sode. Bring out the gimp! Uh, oh, he's sleeping. Never mind. So, uh, on top of that, we and you better sleep- wake up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I honestly, just going back to a thing that you mentioned and have also mentioned a couple times tonight. I don't know why we were so like, oh, is this gonna work? This is a weird kind of episode to do. Like, we're still just talking about chunks of music. Yeah. You know? Well, probably because there's another medium involved. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's, right. It's mm-hmm. it's hard to separate the music from the movie. But yeah, we did a really good job. Well, because also I feel like, and I think Dave, you had this point when we talked about it earlier. There's the idea of like when you're doing a band like Gorillas or Guster or whatnot, yes. it's mm-hmm. coming from like a singular artistic thing. This group makes songs. Do you do this? Mm-hmm. And here's someone pulling songs from all these other different groups. It's still in his vision. And yeah. oftentimes it's in the order they appear in the film, which doesn't necessarily make for a cohesive kind of flowy right. you know, album. album exactly. exactly. So. It was a little bit different in that sense. I'm so glad we did it. I feel confident. I feel great. It was an awesome episode. But most importantly, it's a happier mini episode, and there's a tradition to that, which is, guys, what is the worst song on a Tarantino soundtrack? Oh, Oh, wow, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Oh, it is not Hush. Uh, It is Flip Stang from Kill Bill Volume 1. Okay, it is Ode to Oren Ishii by Rizzo. Wait, whoa, 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 easy there, Slugger. No, that's that's my choice. Yeah. That's for sure my choice. Oh. Oh, no, it's definitely Axe Throw. (laughs) I I really enjoyed, I was pissed off the first, like, dozen times I listened to that back in the day, but, like, going through that, going, oh, no, this is the weird spoken word Rizzo poem. He gets so angry at the end, yeah. Okay. like, just not a good poem yeah no it's it's not it's just like a a recap of oh literally everything that the movie and then there's the black mamba song just the hidden track at the end of kill bill volume two which i don't think is better i don't know if it's worse or not but uh it is Um, uh, Django the d is silent is also i uh, well i think it's better than these songs but it's uh it's also out of place Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel right yeah, Coop's looking at his notes extensively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I, I would say that cover of Magic Carpet Ride is close. Oh yeah, 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 that's, that's, that's my pick. For we should, and that and I I feel like there's so many songs on in this discography, um, if you can even call it that, um, that are like fine songs. Yeah, some are even good songs that I just don't, I don't care about. The, yeah, yeah. That was Terrence's experience in, with some yeah. of the some of the uh, Jackie Brown soundtrack. There are sure. so mm. many songs where you're just like. And and I think part of this is because we are also I don't know I this almost feels weird to say but like we also have an another twenty years of music to compare everything to mm-hmm. so like for me the generic surf rock and like on Jackie Brown there's like some really pretty generic seventies pop like seventies fluff to me and I I feel about that too about like the bedlam and like. Uh, there's, I mean, there's even a couple songs on Pulp Fiction that are that thing where it's just like, I've heard this 
thing done so many times and with actually interesting elements added to it as well like just this like basic like I don't know if this is just actually the songs or if this is like something where like maybe they haven't aged well but like just comparing them to all of music as we know or like pop music as someone who listens to a lot of that and this is well the, the thing about it is is this is not arranged these albums are not composed together by a musician. Right. At all. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, they are not even, there's there's barely anybody else who will do that kind of music because he says, Tarantino says, he would hate to give anyone else that kind of power on his movie. Like, he doesn't want anyone else to be soundtrack guy. Yeah. Or, or soundtrack person. I mean, there there I think, yeah. but also, and I think this is just sort of a fun reason to talk about why this is the director we're doing in the first place is just like, He's clearly someone with such a keen sense of music that mm-hmm. I almost like respect him as a musician anyway. Well, like he, he does, he doesn't hear me out. A loose, a loose use of that word. Sure. Like he still edits to the music. He still knows mm-hmm. exactly what elements he wants to use, where and how. Like this exact part of the music is going to match yeah. to. Like he's a good. Almost like a good music video director in that way. He, I mean, the just judging from his choices, he's obviously very well studied. Yeah, like he yeah. has. He and and because he writes to this music, it's it's stuff he already has. It's not like he's got a music supervisor who goes, "Yo, you should listen to this." He goes, "He he knows this shit." He does say he does. He's not like exclusively him though. He does know oh, how, like, on Pulp Fiction, he lists other people as like music, not supervisor, it's, like something a similar title of people that have recommended songs to him before. Well, that's all that's like, 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 exactly. like they knew that like I could use this for this kind of yeah. scene, so they sent it to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't Which think is, Tarantino's ever surfed a day in his life. No, I would definitely not. like to get wet. But more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, though, I feel like he's someone, and this is true with his. Uh, filmmaking, he loves saving people. He really, really does. He does it when it comes to like, guess what? I'm going to hire John Travolta in my movie because he is washed up at <laughs> oh, this point. Oh, saving actors. Yeah. yeah. Like, Pam, about to be, like, characters all die. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> Pam Grier, honestly, Pam Grier was like, uh, hadn't really had much of a career and like, he really kind of helped thrust her yeah, back yeah. in the mainstream. And there, there's the story of Pam Grier who, who was fighting hard to get onto Bolt Fiction as uh, whatever, whatever the, the drug dealer's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he went, no, because... The drug dealer's girlfriend gets yelled at and pushed around a lot, and Pam Greer will not be pushed around in my movie. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, like, like. yeah. And I feel like he does that with musicians, too, where I feel like maybe some of the more pop song, obvious experiments in Pulp Fiction were helpful, but once Miserly was the song that, like, oh, this is legendary, this is iconic, mm-hmm. that's when he started to kind of feel his oats a little bit and be like, I can really do this for a lot of people. Like, honestly, like, I really hadn't heard a lot of songs by Bobby Womack, but I have such a strong, positive connotation with 110 Street across mm-hmm. on 10th Street that it just was like clears you know clears everything so that's why I'm sure he had the time of his fucking life doing Kill Bill because he really got to do the deepest of dives anything yeah. he wanted yeah literally yeah exactly yeah. which is why the five six seven eights are a thing you know and even like <laughs> one of the best songs on in that movie is um uh what's the song uh fuck it's I have it on my notes I can pull it up very very quickly it's the um nobody but me by the human beings. That's not even on the soundtrack, and which is the one where he like, it's when she's running up the banister, yeah. and slicing people, and I was like, 
oh, hell yeah, this song is going to be on the fucking ranking. It's perfect. And I was like, it's not on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah there was a couple. Well, and especially fucking Inglorious Bastards, half the fucking songs yeah. aren't on yeah. the official soundtrack. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's a clearance issue thing or what. That's why I, I emailed, we yeah. were texting or whatever, and I was like, can we include the awesome music that's not on these soundtracks? And it's like, no. I'm like, all right. Yeah. No, no, and I'm glad, <laughs> no, and I'm so glad that you challenged me on that because it was just, especially for me and Taryn at the very least, it was helpful to just have that clarity of exactly what And it's yeah. going to have limitations to yeah. you. Because yeah. if we could have, you know. Yeah, if we're doing we the music of Tarantino, that's a different Then experience. we have yeah. to, like, if, if we're going yeah. by the standard of, like, what's music's cues that are used in exactly. the film mm-hmm. like we're going by i mean we ranked it number one but also mocked the inclusion of the like sound effects essentially mm-hmm. the musical sound effects yeah that like then do, do we have to include all of those like four second like they got a guy in a booth to play a trumpet trill like for right. this one cue like love to include all of those Actually, I kind of would too. <laughs> you know, the film volume two needs more sound of excuse yeah. on the soundtrack. Yeah. What you say? I mean, maybe yeah. it would have beaten Death Proof. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I need the music of toes wiggling slightly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, quick, quick! You mean the sound of an orgasm? Yeah. Oh, whatever. I'll record it myself. Don't worry. <laughs> he is such a weird. <laughs> Was that Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, that's that's what I was. I just wanted to make sure. He's such a weird fucking guy, guys. He really. It's one of the things like he is just clearly a savant at his craft. He clearly loves doing what he's doing so much, but he's also just like a little bit full of himself, but like in a very specific way. He just got married and has a baby on the way. Yeah, Yeah. his wife's hot. Oh. Yeah, because she was she's um, Leonardo DiCaprio's wife at the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah, yeah. God damn! And okay. he was like, because he was like, yeah, I, I definitely need to step away from movies because I need to put a baby in that. Oven. Also, side note, did immediately. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna put this out here. I'm just yeah. gonna put this out here. Imagine at the very end of the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood soundtrack, a three second track that's just. Just that, you know, like, just perfect, just incredible. The igniting incident of the entire goddamn movie. I fucking, I love that movie so much. Yeah. And liked it the first time. Second time, I was like, I want to climb into that fucking movie and live there and be on the set of the Westerns. And, like, I was just, because a lot of the stuff that they showed is stuff my dad showed me when I was a little kid. So I had a, the second that Brad Pitt was watching Mannix, I, I had very strong nostalgia like that hit me hard, and it also felt like a unattainable fairy tale version of it all too. Where you're like, right. that's everything clean and and not like you know the muddiness of like probably what it really was at the time. Except the Manson stuff, that's fucked up. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was. I felt really strongly about it, and to the point where I I wanted the soundtrack to be higher on our list. But again, I was. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there were better battles to fight on that end. 100%. But also, it was so great, though, because I had to point out to Terry during the scene when uh, Candy finds out their plan and confronts them at the diner table, at yeah. the dinner table. Uh, and then it just, like, as soon as I see that, I'm like, that's real blood on his hand during that infamous uh, oh decapitation. But then the, he freaked out, too, because they did a cutaway and then it did cut back, and then he drags his bloody hand across Hilda's uh, uh, face. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, did they that, there was a cut there, right? Like I literally, I immediately yeah. got on my phone and was like googling, like, did Leo smear his blood on her face? Yeah. No. That was okay, a real great. scandal. Yeah. 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 Well, what I mean, it was fake blood. She's on scandal. I know. Um, the weird thing. Oh, the jokes. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm so mad. I just like. 
<laughs> but to my knowledge, and correct me Sorry. if I'm wrong, some of y'all, you, food, you might know, <laughs> he didn't have a hand in the soundtracks to True Romance or From Dust Till Dawn, right? Um, oh, I don't know. I, didn't... I mean, I, I don't think he officially had a... Right. I mean, it doesn't have the same flair or touch. It, it yeah. definitely... The, I, I feel like and he, he, he talks about his movies and the movies that are his movies. And he's uh, done a bunch of other things and, like, helped produce and wrote and, like, acted and whatever. And those are movies he has been a part of. Mm-hmm. And then there are the things that we ranked and apparently Death Proof, um, which are Tarantino movies. Yeah. yeah. And, and he is the kind of auteur who will, like... Everything about this is coming out of coming out of him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a visual aid there, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Gentlemen. And I, I was, I was making. I couldn't help but think about Tarantino as an auteur and like masturbation. Kind of, kind of went in line with that image. Um, good. I think it's some of the best masturbatory auteurism of certainly the last thirty years of cinema. Well, um, I feel like Michael the, Bay can go. The biggest thing for me. Is, uh, <laughs> What it was pointed out was how in the first three movies the characters are interacting with the song as versus the rest of the time it's literally soundtracking over it. Right. And there's something about mm-hmm. when oh, someone does... Oh, once upon a time. Yeah, a little that's bit, true. yeah. Uh, and I feel like that just, it, it kind of adds that additional element to it, though. But I feel like when I kind of, we brought it up at the start of it, I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy, that was such a good idea of the soundtrack, too, because the songs were a character in it to a degree. This is like his one connection to Earth, his mm-hmm. one connection to the past. and like, mom. Yeah, and it was yeah. like, there was like so great because when you hear, that soundtrack was number one and went multi-platinum and all this other stuff, and all the songs were already released and already available everywhere else, but just to have them in that one perfect package, but just like, reminded me of that experience was just so impactful. Impactful. But just like Mrs. Robinson on uh, Once Upon a Time, <laughs> Once Upon a Time, like James Gunn has brass balls. Like he put the fucking Pina Colada song yeah. in this movie. <laughs> You're like, Why are you <laughs> fucking <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. yeah, but. But but I do think and and, and especially in the first three uh, movies, like you're saying, uh, that um, you like those songs because it reminds you of that time you heard it. Yeah. Or you know, it, they're fun and they're it's a throwback, and it is you are interacting with those songs just like he's interacting with those songs. And I feel like the whole Super Seventies Weekend, you're interacting with those songs just like <laughs> yeah. he's interacting. I mean, fucking Steelers Wheel, you you that scene is creepy because you feel peppy just like. Blonde well, and he petty. and he yeah. said that song in particular. It's like you are complicit because you're enjoying it. You're yeah. enjoying it until you're not enjoying it. Like you have that buying of like I'm here. Oh fuck! Like yep. that's kind of that thing. And that I goes love on when he again. walks outside. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, that's over. And then he comes back in, you're like, we're still with it? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and then I, I, I always love, oh my god, I remember the fucking time when one year me and my buddy back in Salt Lake, we wound up watching, like, just we just rented all the obscure, crazy shit that we could. And so one time, I, it wasn't exactly the same evening, it was very close together when we watched it. We watched Roger and Me, the very first uh, Michael Moore documentary, and one of my all time favorite movies, Das Experiment, a, like early 2000 German film based on the Stanford Prison Experiments, where, like, you know, six people are prisoners, four people are guards, what's their dynamic if you leave them alone for a week? They're going to do it for a whole month, but in real life they had to cancel it after like eight, ten days because things got so fucking intense because people were so in their heads. Amazing dramatization. And both of those motherfucking movies use Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys in terrifying, horrifying, <laughs> terrible context each time. And now because like, it wasn't just one movie, now there's two fucking movies that I have that associate with and I just can't fucking deal with that shit anymore. You just have to watch whatsoever. 50 First Dates. Do I? Yeah. That's the real question. But also, what was that song that was used in Us at the end when uh, 
Tim Heidecker's character is. Do you remember that? Yeah. I feel like there's another Beach Boys one, but I can't remember specifically. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh fuck, what? Which one is it? When it, it comes on, is it's it Good like, Vibrations or yeah? I think it is. I think yeah, it is Good Vibrations. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh. God, us is awesome. <laughs> but I just us came out this year. Yeah. It's been a long year. It's really? been a long fucking year. Oh man. Us and Captain Marvel yeah. came out like very close together. But like, yeah. legitimately, I feel like Tarantino really, he upped the soundtrack game so fucking hard. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Exactly, because I feel like people were just used it, they literally used it like, it's a souvenir for the movie, here's a bunch of songs for the movie, yeah. or here's a score that you Music like. from and inspired by. Yes, yeah. and you know, inspired by is yeah. just like, oh, I found this band that we want to try and break, here's yeah. something I did. But like, also like, it's inspired by, why yeah. are you giving me music that's not in the fucking movie? I, said, I remember, I fucking remember, I think it was uh, Chris Carabra, whatever the fuck his name is, from, uh, Dashboard Confessional. Cabrera? He, uh, he... But I feel like he remember, like, he was asked by Sony to be like, hey, so we're doing this new movie called Spider-Man 2. We want to know if you could do a, sa- a song on the soundtrack. And he's like, okay, but does that mean I get to watch Spider-Man 2? And they're like, yes, it does. And Don't so he did that. And then he wrote Vindicated, which was Vindicated. the big... Vindicated! Right. <laughs> And isn't he getting? Isn't Peter Parker getting dressed? I and think then to like going, going like go yeah. see like Mary Jane's play. Mm-hmm. But Speaking, then oh, that gets derailed pretty we, oh, quick. Briefly, the thing <laughs> is that like the whole idea of Tarantino is making soundtracks about you know basically doing songs that the characters would interact with in the world of the film. And then I feel like I've seen so many other composers fuck that up so badly. And I specifically am thinking about Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I think Hans Zimmer got like <laughs> Ooh, a lot of talking about that? and a bunch of other people to do like, I want to make I want to make the, the music that Peter Parker would listen to and oh. made some fucking like garbage fucking, you know, bass and drum remix bullshit that was like, oh. what are you even doing? Please stop. For the love Dude, of God. Amazing Spider-Man 2 so bad. But, but, as long as we're talking about music and Spider-Man movies, um, uh, when, when the, when he, when he's listening to Post Malone and Into the Spider-Verse and he's kind of like, Okay, that's, that's, that's that is great music. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, the Spider-Verse soundtrack is fucking awesome. helped that song become the massive hit that it did. Because I feel like it only hit number one, like, after that Absolutely. Absolutely. Wasn't it written for the movie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the title is like Into the Spider Verse is like the parenthetical in the title. Okay, I didn't know. Which is so great. But I even like John Harvey, previous guest of the podcast. He noted that like I got to be honest, like I like the song, but seeing him in the movie, just kind of like like just kind of like half remembering the lyrics. He's like, because that's us. It's everyone. Right. Exactly. It makes me want to just do that. Yeah. And then and then I want to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. It is Bohemian Rhapsody. It is a fantastic song in its own right. But like watching Wayne's World is like, oh wait, no. Yes, everybody also feels yeah. the exact same way about Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Of like, it's the song you should headbang in at the car. Like yeah. that, that is why we love it. It's so weird to me though that Tarantino is such a specific auteur in what he does that there's not a lot of imitators. There's not a lot of Tarantino-esque moments. The only mm-hmm. thing that comes closest in my mind is Natural Born Killers, the Oliver Stone movie, which he wrote. Yeah, but he also directed it like a fucking Tarantino movie, too, which was yeah. just kind of a weird choice. I just remember Robert Downey Jr. shouting in a prison at one point while riots going on. I remember <laughs> just being severely bummed out by that movie. <laughs> I remember I was very high. Sorry, Mom. And and I was watching that, and I was like, this is a bad time. <laughs> I don't think this guy's going to be Iron Man. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Not one bit. That was that Woody Harrelson. Was that before or after he got fired from Ellie McBeal? Woody Harrelson got fired. No, no. Robert Downey Jr. Okay, I wasn't sure. Listen, no, no. Lucy Liu already she's back into Tarantino. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. Exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, we got we we went off. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we have brought up amazing Spider-Man <laughs> and, and a Quentin Tarantino podcast. The two I was I, I don't know why I we did that. <laughs> if we're talking about music and Spider-Man movies, I mean <laughs> Quentin Tarantino Spider-Man. <laughs> oh my. I would wait, watch that. A lot of men. A lot of men. Wait, could that be a Seth movie? Yeah, can we? Can that please happen? I would watch that. Star Trek and I'll do Spider-Man? the next Tom Holland one. I would watch that way before I would watch a Tarantino Star Trek movie. I just want a Martin Scorsese Spider-Man movie. I would watch that too. I also feel like, well, Scorsese is also someone who had a very impassioned soundtrack, too, with a lot of selections. Because guess what? There's always going to be a fucking Rolling Stones song. Oh, yeah. no matter Even what. in Last Temptation of Christ, we were living. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really weird. But you, you know what? Sympathy for the devil. <laughs> uh, I was literally, I was like, I did my roll in my mind Rolodex, and you beat me I by one like, second. Really? That's the you only choice. one second. Well, yeah. Good times. All right. Any other Tarantino fun factoids, joy, other things you want to bring up, experiences? That man likes the N word. Yeah. Um, to I a just, fault. I just like. There's this point in where I'm listening to it and I'm going like, it made a lot more sense in Reservoir Dogs because these are all gross people. And like by the time we're like seven movies in, like he's the only guy who can say the N word anymore. Right. Uh, well, like, I, I remember specifically when we were watching uh, Django, just like the. It wasn't a relish, but just the casualness of which, like, Leonardo DiCaprio and Don Johnson were just kind of, like, you know, saying it there. But it also really hammered home just the pure empowerment. They were also slave owners. Yeah, exactly. Like, and the horrificness of what, yeah, slavery was. Well, there, there's a, there's a, uh, 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 Jesse, not Jesse Martin, Jesse the other one. Uh, the, uh, no, um, <laughs> no, uh, the, the Grey's Anatomy Jesse. Um, Williams. Williams, yes. I always think it's Jesse L. Martin, but it's not, that's a different guy. He's Grand Flash. Uh, uh, he's he's great in uh, friggin' Rent. He's um, Law and Order. Jesse L. Martin. Yeah. Great. Wait, this is a separate podcast, but Jesse Martin and, and, Jesse and, 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 and Orbach were on Law and Order and they didn't do a musical episode and I don't know why. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I also, anyway, have never seen that. Also, just Jerry Orbach was just a national treasure, by the way. Well, was, treasure. What happened? Looks like the victim was bejazzled to death. Looks like we're dealing with one crafty criminal. Okay, cool. Thanks a yeah, lot, Jerry. 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 I only like, realized so. he was fucking that weird. Real? Like, no. oh, way too... At the point uh, before, immediately before he died, he was in more Broadway musicals than any living person. Wow! And so, yeah. the uh, Candelabra in fucking yes, I Lumiere. Just, I really just talking about Lumiere. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, said I, didn't hear that. I only realized that like re- way too recently. Yeah, I was like, what? But but uh, Sam Jackson's uh, uh, put so Jesse, Jesse uh, <laughs> Williams. <laughs> Um, uh, was like, how come they're? How co- I mean, I know it's about slavery, but like this white boy is using this word a lot. Like this is not cool. And and uh, Sam Jackson's pushback is like, come on, you can telling him to say that is like a movie about Nazis where they don't say Kike a bunch, and like they don't say Kike a bunch in Inglorious Bastards. They don't at all. They don't barely say it once. They don't say it at all. So like that's not a good. Like, I will see. Here's the one thing: Inglorious Bastards probably has my single favorite line. Out of any what Tarantino movie ever. Oh, really? It's the perfect mixture of accents and just colloquialism and everything else. It's just Brad Pitt with perfect tone saying, Doggy Dog's gonna take that slug out your gam. Which is just <laughs> yeah. like one of my all time uh, favorite. Just like the, the construction of that set. I like so specific. <laughs> I like Dominic the Coco. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic, did you get it? Yeah. Dominic the Coco. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, 
I know. I felt bad that that soundtrack went so low in our rankings, but at the same time, it just because I just have. But that movie is so high. Right. Yeah. 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 That movie's great. That's yeah. definitely one of those. The soundtrack is worse than the movie. Yeah. In my ranking. Well, I mean. Also, well, half the songs aren't in it, though, to the soundtrack, to be fair. Sure, but also I think just it's one of those movies where the soundtrack serves the film instead of being integrated into the film. Yes. Right, you know what absolutely. I mean? And also, think about, and, and this is actually something I noticed about Kill Bill Volume 1 as well, think about the, si- the, the lack of soundtrack in moments. Like, the whole fight with um, Vivica A. Fox in Kill Bill Volume 1, yeah. there's no music. Quite, yeah. And think about the entire opening sequence in um, in Glorious Bastards with Hans Landa. Yeah. I don't believe there's any soundtrack to that until the Nazis come in to shoot. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, that's... Tarantino is amazing at soundtracks, but he's also amazing to know when not to use them. Yes. Which is absolutely fair. Yeah. He's also amazing at using Christoph Waltz, which no other director has been able yeah. to figure out. How? He's great in Green Hornet. <laughs> there we go. Die on that, Bill Dave. All right. He's great when he murders James Franco in Green Hornet. Okay. That's a good scene. Everyone's right. great when they murder James Franco. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Especially Julia Hill in that roast. It comes from a place of truth. I also, anyway. man, also for someone, for Taryn, who just watched Django Unchained for the first time, to be like, is that Jonah Hill? That's Jonah Hill. Uh, and he he was originally supposed to play a character that got cut out of the film. Oh. Like, because there was, like, I forget his name, but, like, he was supposed to be, have this major sequence, and, like, several different actors were supposed to be, like, Joyce Gordon-Levitt was going to be it for a minute, then Jonah Hill, and then Tarantino was just like, yeah, we're cutting it out, because I can't get any of these guys, and then Jonah Hill's like, what? I freed up my schedule, I'll play the character, he goes, I don't. I let that character go. He goes, can I do anything? He goes, you want to play Klansman for like five minutes? He's like, eh. They're not Klansmen. Technically, they're not. They're just a mob. They're set ten years before the origin of the clan. Really? I didn't know that. Official clan. Because they're they're kind of wearing the costume. It's it's pre-Civil War. Gotcha. But that is, I mean, that's where the the clan outfit originated from. Was this like hooded? Hooded. Yeah. Uh, This this weird. So I I I had a buddy playing this weird Italian uh, Christian mythology game, and uh, apparently it comes from like weird eschatological Christian. Italian, like, cone-headed, like, the uh, holy warrior imagery, and that's where you get the client costumes from. Tarantino podcast. Anyway. <laughs> no, hey, this is relevant. Yeah. yeah. Can I say something? Having rewatched um, so much of it, can I just say what an MVP Sam Jackson really is in these movies? And profoundly. Yeah. With Pulp Fiction. Yeah, completely. Jackie Brown, Django Unchained, and Hateful Eight. Especially just watching Hateful Eight for the first time since I saw it in theaters. I was like, Damn! Sam Jackson's awesome. I mean, Sam, he's like one of the only redeeming qualities of that movie for me. It's way too fucking long. Uh, for me, in my, in my humble okay. opinion. But he was also, but. as I mean, he is so fucking good in Django. And he's, he's also incredible. in his mid his mid late sixties, and they still had to put age makeup on him. And yeah, it was yeah. Just incredible. Also, they de aged him in Captain Marvel, and no one noticed. They're like, oh, he <laughs> looked like a well, until he walked. He looked like younger, older Sam Jackson, not how Samuel L. Jackson looked when he was younger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like the facial shape was. It wasn't. It wasn't a Gemini man. Situation. That's the thing. Like when they do these de aging things, is that like they look immaculately young where you're like Sam Jackson didn't look immaculate yeah. they, people still have flaws in their face he was like 40 or something in Pulp Fiction like yeah. he was he was into his still his only Oscar nomination for some 
fucking reason. Oh my, really? Yeah. I feel like they're just like, we're not gonna give snakes on the plane, guys. <laughs> Do we think that Sam Jackson shows up in the new Star Wars movie as a Force Ghost? I'd love that, personally. I think there would be a lot of Force Ghosts in the new movie. Lightning, lightning round! Real quick, favorite Tarantino movie. Tusky, go. Uh, oh, it's been tough. It's shifted a lot in the last Really? Couple. It's because it, it, I really like Pulp Fiction, and I really like Reservoir Dogs, and I really like Jackie Brown, and I really like Kill Bill, and then I remember why I like Hateful Eight, which I didn't remember liking as much. It's really uh, good. Yeah. I've only seen it once. Too. Yeah, no, no, no. And it, and it definitely has issues, and Channing Tatum, why? Um, but like, I yeah. uh, like I hope the best for him. But Magic Mike should not be in that movie. Um, uh, he should be in Kingsman. Um, <laughs> I hate those movies. That's, they're terrible, and he should be the there. He makes them better. Good. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. You're wrong. Um, but like, that's wow. very <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, Fine. Uh, uh, <laughs> Another movie starring a great Terran is just ignored again. Yeah. All right, oh, that Terran cool. sucks. That I love this one. I, this Terran is way better than that. Yeah. I would uh, watch uh, this Terran in Kingsman a billion times over yes, the other yes. ones. No. Uh, <laughs> I'd watch him have gay sex in Rocket Man only to have it cut from a Delta flight. Oh I my god. This Terran yeah. is Robin Hood? Yeah. Done. <laughs> Hey, John Glees and Tusky, I thought this was going to be like, say your movie, and then we'll go to the next person. I'm oh, sorry. Draw it out. Uh, 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 it's a, it's I mean, a Mexican standoff. I think it's still, I think it's still Pulp Fiction. It's a Mexican t-shirt. I think it's still Pulp Fiction. For me, yeah. Uh, Django. Uh, Django's my favorite. Although I think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, is, is well, I, it, I need more time with it. Yeah, yeah, but, fair, fair, but like, Django is like, on my list of favorite movies of all time. I will say though, before Once Upon a Time came out in Hollywood, came out, I, I rewatched Django and Glorious Bastards and I was like, oh my god, I forgot how fucking amazing Glorious Bastards is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that and like and also when he carves the swastika in Landa's face in the end and he's like, this might That'd be my masterpiece. masterpiece. I was like, mm, it might, it might. Yeah. This is hard. Um but I'm gonna go with my gut and say it's Kill Bill Volume. Kill oh, Volume okay. yeah. has to be Kill Bill Volume it's so fucking again that yeah. yeah. it was one of the only times I've ever left a theater. There's like two or three times I can't remember the other two, but like of leaving a theater being like I was 100 percent entertained. Oh, just yeah, full the feeling of just like not in just like a Michael Bay you know Roland Emmerich way, just to be like every single thing that could have hit in my brain's pleasure center, it absolutely did, and it was great. Rewatching it though, and this might be like age happening, yeah. But like there was a couple moments where I was watching, go, well, this is quite violent. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I yeah. like violent. Oh, Hateful Eight's got some crazy that's, kills in it. Well, that's yeah. true. Hateful Eight. Yeah. Well, and also, I Django like, had the most pure, explosive blood packets yeah. of all time. This thick, syrupy blood just blowing up. Yeah. And also, place. people like defying physics. In yeah. yeah. Also, Inglorious Bastards does yeah. have maybe like one of his highest body counts. As true. Oh, the yeah. same yeah. number yeah. of people yeah. who die. I mean, there are eighty-eight of them. <laughs> no, but they make a point that there aren't that many people. Yeah. They just use it to like, you oh, know. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Long story short, guys, it's been a half hour. I think <laughs> you had a great happy hour mini so. Happy hour well, mini We should make this two hours long no. and make the yeah. actual ranking the mini so. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're going to do the mini so, then we're going to do the mini so volume two. That's how we're going to separate it out. Cause, uh, Technically, they're the same yeah. mini so. It's mini so the whole bloody yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, though, I need this John Blazantowski. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad you were here. Dave Coop, you're an amazing person, and I'm so glad that you were a part of this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and Taryn, as always. Yeah. Aww.
he's so great. Guys, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> I'm really glad we were able to do this. Thank you so much for supporting the season and everything else you've done. Please uh, like us, subscribe. If you have the ability to throw a ranking on something, by all means, if you're on Grubhub and you order a Big Kahuna Burger, make sure you type in the Chartographers at checkout. It'll save you maybe something. I don't fucking know. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Have a good one and a good bye. Swap Terrans! Hello, this is David from the New Movies Podcast, Catching Up David. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about one of the movies we watched recently that I liked the most, and that was Lilo and Stitch. I especially liked the aliens in Lilo and Stitch, which I didn't realize was a thing. He didn't realize that was a thing because David doesn't know anything about modern pop culture. He somehow missed all of the 2000s. So Kristen and I, we made a list of the pop culture canon movies that we feel were influential and have really solidified their place in today's pop culture. And we make David watch them. So if you want to experience someone experiencing pop culture for the first time having lived in a bubble, we can be found at Catching Up David on Twitter. Or you can find us any place you listen to podcasts. Or at catchingupdavid.podbean.com.